Welcome once again to this, the Know Your Bible program. We are happy to have you with us on this YouTube Church Media TT channel. We are so thankful to God for providing us with this opportunity. And we ask that those of you who are with us, those of you who tune in, those of you who view the program even after we premiere, that you continue to spread the word around and spread the news to others. Here is where you can find... Uh, really strong evangelistic thrust in other words this series of program is designed to deliver the gospel message of salvation our world is lost it doesn't matter if we have a little more uh, economic progress it doesn't matter if there appears to be a little more peace in the nation the fact remains is that the world at large is plunged into a state of being separated from God on account of sin. Sin is a universal problem, and it's a problem that we must deal with. And the gospel message is God's response to the sin problem and the cry of humanity. Long before that cry was uttered, God determined that he would make a way for us to come out from under the power of sin and to have a reconnection with him and to be able to live the life in fellowship with him as it was meant to be of course everything will not be the same because we are still living in this world but it's important that we understand what the scripture has to say concerning the message of salvation let us give god thanks before we delve into the study our father our god in heaven we once again give you thanks and praise for giving us this opportunity lord we are asking that you open the hearts of those who are viewing the program and listening we ask god in heaven that they will share with many others the opportunity to hear your word that people will see your word for what it is father be able to move aside all of the clutter of what is pressed upon us on a daily basis that may not be what you have recorded in your word but that we will see it father and open our hearts and receive it with meekness so that we can receive salvation Father, I ask for your guidance and blessing to deliver your word in simplicity, in truth, and in love. In accuracy, Father, as you have revealed it, so that people will come to know the truth that will save them. We thank you for this opportunity and this privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so last time we looked at a definition of the word covenant. And we saw that it's an agreement made between two or more parties to do or refrain from doing some act. Then we also talked about a covenant being unconditional as the covenant between God and Abraham, Genesis 15, 12 to 18. And also a covenant that may be conditional as the covenant between God and the nation of Israel, Exodus 19, Deuteronomy chapter 5, 1 to 6. So we, we saw then clearly 
that God said he did not make this covenant with the fathers. And that is to show that the covenant was made exclusively with the nation of Israel. So if you were not a Jew or an Israelite, then of course that covenant would have had nothing to do with you. And he made it with them, those who were alive that day. These were the people that God brought out of Egypt from bondage. And they were there and he was now making this covenant with them. And of course with those who would come in their line of descendancy as time went by until God will bring a new covenant. Remember the word old, new comes to mind. So how long then would this old covenant last? Is it going to, or was it going to last throughout everybody's lifetime? God said it was a covenant that would have gone through the nation of Israel. And sometimes you see it, the words use a perpetual covenant for the nation. And that means that it would go on, not without end, but in the context until God brings it to an end. So that no one was supposed to interfere with it until God was ready. So in Galatians, the third chapter, I think it's very important for us to see that the covenant, the national covenant that God made with the Israelites was made for a definite period of time. And so in Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse number 15, the Apostle Paul writing to the Galatian church, who are now under a new covenant, they are Christians following after the teachings of Christ. It is the church that he's addressing, but there were those Jews who still believed that the old covenant was binding upon them. They did not give way to a new covenant. They were still holding on. And as a result, they were creating chaos and confusion. They were trying to say that even Gentile people who were now being brought into the kingdom of God should subject themselves to circumcision because it was practiced under the old covenant. And of course, many of the Jews still did not accept Gentiles because Jews and Gentiles did not mingle. And so this great enmity that existed between them, God never intended for it to be because when you go back to the Abrahamic covenant, you will notice that God would say to Abraham that the seed or the child that he would give him would bring a worldwide blessing. So God has in mind to bring a worldwide blessing. God wants to save the whole world. But here's how he's going to do it. In the midst of chaos and calamity, God finds the man Abraham upright in his time and uses him to develop a nation through whom God will make his entry into our world in the form of flesh. And so the covenant was made for a definite time. Paul says, brethren, I speak in terms of human relation. Listen carefully. Even though it is only a man's covenant, yet when it has been ratified, no one sets it aside or adds conditions to it. Take a, a very good example. You go to the store. And let's say you buy an item and you buy it on higher purchase. They make up an agreement. And in that agreement, you sign agreeing that you have paid X and that you will pay a certain amount for a certain number of months. And when those months have expired and you have paid as stipulated in the covenant, then the covenant comes to an end. 
But what Paul is saying, you know, in the world in which you live, when men make these agreements, nobody can go back afterwards. So when you make the higher purchase agreement in the store and you sign that agreement, neither you nor the store owners can come and change anything on the covenant at their will. Paul says you understand that. It's set. You can't interfere with it. So now he says in verse 16, now the promises were spoken to Abraham. He's not now talking about this national law. He goes back to when God spoke to Abraham in Genesis 15. He says, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say unto seeds as referring to many, but rather to one. And to your seed, that is Christ. So what Paul is saying? Paul is saying when God spoke to Abraham and he told him that he would give him a son because Abraham said, I'm childless and one in my house will be heir. God said, no, 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 that's not going to be so. And therefore, God would give him a son. And that was a son of promise. And through that nation that God developed, through that lineage, would come eventually the Savior of the world. God incarnate in the person of Jesus Christ. So Christ is the fulfillment of the seed promise that God made to Abraham. Through your seed, all families of the earth will be blessed. Now Paul is saying to the Galatian church, that when God spoke to Abraham, he did not say to seeds as of many. It was not speaking of more than one. But seed referring to one. And then he specifies who the seed is. He says Christ. So Paul says in 17, what I am saying is this. Now, you know, I love Paul here. He, he's so explicit and so clear. He says, now listen, what I am saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. So, see that 400? That 400 years, 430 years? Remember God told Abraham his people would have been in servile uh, bondage in Egypt for four centuries. And then after he brought them out, he made a covenant with them. That covenant is the law. And it's referred to as the law. And we saw it in other scriptures. So what Paul is saying, look, that covenant, which he refers to as the law, that God made with the nation of Israel, he says, now... Prior to that, 430 years before, when God spoke to Abraham, God made a promise to him. So now the law that came 430 years after, the covenant which came 430 years after, does not nullify or make of no effect the promise that God made to Abraham. For if the inheritance, he says, is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise. See, that's the difference between the Abrahamic covenant and the covenant God made between himself and the nation of Israel. God made a promise to Abraham that he would give him unconditionally a seed, a child of promise. And through that line will come the savior of the whole world. So Paul says the inheritance that will come to everyone doesn't come by law. Because that law has conditions. The promise is a promise. And so if that's the case then Paul is saying... 
that the inheritance, if it is based on law, it is no longer based on a promise. But God has granted it to Abraham by means of a promise. Watch it now. So if that's the case, someone would ask the question. Since God made a promise to Abraham to save the whole world, why would he give a law? Why would he make a covenant? So Paul asks the question, why the law then? Why did God do it? Why did he just go from Abraham all the way down and just let the Messiah come and save the world? So he's asking the question, why then did God give the law? And here's what he said. It was added because of transgression. So God made a promise. And then later on, God added this covenant. Why did he add this covenant? It was added because of transgression, because of sin. Having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator, until the seed should come to whom the promise has been made. Let's understand what he's saying. He's saying, look, God made a promise to Abraham. And then during the course of time, when this nation comes out from Egypt, track their history through the wilderness. Oh, they give Moses headache. They complain. They grumble. They murmur. When Moses went up to the mount to receive God's law, they reveled in ungodliness and wanton pleasure. And so God had to put a check on their sinfulness. And so he put a law in that says, you should not do this and you should not do that and you should not do this. But this law is not the promise for the saving of the world. This was added to curb transgression and to allow people to see how sinful they were and in need of some intervention that within themselves they were powerless. And so Paul says the law was added because of sin, because of transgression. So when God fulfills the promise made to Abraham, there will no longer be a need for the covenant or the law that God placed there because sin will now be taken care of, dealt with. All during that time when God added the law, he put things in the law that will remind them that sin requires sacrifice. And therefore the shedding of animals' blood in such a vast way was to remind them over and over that without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness of sin. So that would prepare them for when God will provide the true lamb in the person of Jesus that will shed his blood for the sin of the entire world. When that happens, you don't need to shed animal blood anymore because the real thing is here. That was just a shadow. And so we understand that the law was fulfilled and taken out of the way. The covenant that God made with the Israelites was fulfilled at the coming of Jesus when he died on the cross. And it was taken out of the way so we're no longer under that law. So now today as we look in scripture, there are those who would have us to believe that God has made a distinction a distinction in the covenant between what they call, those people, moral law and ceremonial law. So those especially who keep the Sabbath today make a distinction between what they call moral and ceremonial parts of the law. 
But God does not make any such distinction. They contend that the Ten Commandments were not removed because that was the moral law. And what they say was removed is the ceremonial law. Well, God speaks of the Ten Commandments as the covenant. Now remember, we already showed that the covenant, the old covenant, God made between the nation of Israel and himself, was fulfilled and taken out of the way. That covenant was removed. Now, what the contention by some is, is that that covenant does not refer to the Ten Commandments. That covenant refers to the ceremonial law, so to speak. That is what was taken out of the way. Well, let's see what the scripture has to say. If we go back to the book of Exodus, we're going to the Old Testament, back to the book of Exodus, and chapter 34, a refreshing uh, of a passage of scripture that we quoted for you prior, but just to get those two verses very quickly, 27 and 28, Deuteronomy 34, here's what it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write down these words, for in accordance with these words, I have made a what? A covenant with you and with Israel. Oh, according to our modern day persons who separate the two, this covenant should mean ceremonial. Right? Hear what it says here. I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. So he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did not eat bread or drink water. And he wrote on the tablets. What did God write on the tablets? The Ten Commandments. That's what God wrote on the tablets. That's very clear. There's no ambiguity there. But Moses is right, saying, and he wrote on the tablets the words of the what? The words of the covenant. So the law is the covenant. It's referred right here in the scripture. The words of the covenant. And the words were the Ten Commandments. That's the covenant. And it says it. The Ten Commandments. So I... You have to wonder, is there something missing? Is there something that we need to understand differently? No, but let's go to Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 4. See, we, we are allowing the scriptures to talk for us. Okay? That's important. So we have seen that God speaks of the Ten Commandments as the covenant. Exodus 34. Now, Deuteronomy chapter number 4 verse 13 so he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform now what did god declare god declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform that is the ten commandments now if you want that plainer, you know when you see a that is a that is a saying what i just told you this is what it is Right? So he says, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. What's the point? The Ten Commandments are referred to as the covenant. The law is referred to as the covenant. God does not make a distinction between ceremonial and moral. It's one law. But often you will find the Ten Commandments being referred to as the covenant. You will find everything that God spoke of in his agreement with the Israelites referred to as the covenant. Because the Ten was the heart and core of the covenant. You couldn't have a covenant without having the Ten Commandments. And so it was not separated from. It was one, a part of the whole. 
Now let's look at Deuteronomy chapter number 9. Deuteronomy 9. Deuteronomy 9 verses 9 through 11. Short verses. Notice what the scripture says. When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone. Moses is talking about when he went up to receive the Ten Commandments. When I went up to the mountain to receive the tablets of stone. The tablets of the covenant. What were the tablets of the covenant? The Ten Commandments. Which the Lord had made with you. Then I remained on the mountain forty days and nights. I neither ate bread nor did I drink water. And the Lord gave me two tablets of stone written by the finger of God. And on them were all the words which the Lord had spoken to you at the mountain. From the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. And it came about at the end of 40 days and nights. That the Lord gave me the two tablets of stone. The tablets of the covenant. So it's quite clear. So if the covenant was fulfilled and removed. Then the ten commandments. Is not now the covenant. Under which we live. Somebody says. You mean we are lawless? Whoever said that? That's your response and not accepting what God says. Because God is moving the old one to bring a new. And who says under the new you have the freedom to do whatever you want? It's just that under the new you have better promises, better privileges and a system that will work for you even though you don't understand it. Because by, by attempting to keep the law you are always falling short. And you can't depend on the law to save you. So you need to lean somewhere else. But see what folk want to do today is this. They want to hold on to the law so they can retain the Sabbath. That's the reason. And then when they sin, knowing that they will, they lean over to Christ for grace. But Christ is saying, you don't need a crutch. You need to realize you're a sinner. And when you do, see the provisions which I have made to set you free. We're going to pick up the study on the passing of the old covenant. Clearly and without doubt in our next study. Don't forget, subscribe, click notifications if you have not already done so. We're happy to have you with us. We are delighted to share with you the word of God. Spread the word around and have more people tune in then. Until next time, I am his personal bidding you the Lord's blessing. Believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe What the Bible tells me I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he died on Calvary I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he came to set me free in me So I'm alive with him in glory I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe what the Bible tells me, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That he died on Calvary, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That he came to set the people free. So I'm a living.